My name is Gregory Hallows, and you are listening to Preserve Halloween Podcast. All right, so the first thing we want to get into, I guess, would be the 61 Nights of Halloween. We're still uh, only less than two weeks away from Halloween, so that is exciting, but also, how did this month go by so fast? So, on October 22nd, we have Fun Size. I spoke about this movie last week. It's a really fun kids movie, and it's got a really great cast. I forgot to mention one of the the bigger stars from the movie itself is the actress who is in the remake of The Evil Dead. That actress uh, named Jane Levy, uh, I cheated, I paused this and looked it up because I could not remember what her name was, but she's really funny in it. The main character is Victoria Justice from, I don't know if anybody watched it, I mentioned it last week too, it's the Victorious show on Nickelodeon. For October 23rd is The Worst Witch, which probably has the greatest song. I know this is going to upset a lot of Rocky Horror fans, but... Tim Curry's song in The Worst Witch is just absolutely amazing. Uh, October 24th is Trick or Treat, which is is a really good anthology. It it does a really good job of introducing and and following the rules of Halloween. That has become such a big uh, marketing thing now. You see uh, the little guy from Trick or Treat on tons of things. He has become a very, very big popular uh, character. October 25th is the WNUF Halloween special. If you haven't seen that, it is up on Shudder now. And it is a really good, I guess it's found footage for all intents and purposes, but the entire thing was created by the group that put the movie together. And everything in it, the commercials, the newscast, everything about it, it was made to look like it aired back in the 80s. So it's great. October 26th is The Nightmare Before Christmas. It is both a Halloween and a Christmas movie, so it's perfect. October 27th is The Monster Squad, one of the best kids' movies that's not, I guess, technically a kids' movie. That's always a fun watch. October 28th is Halloween Town. That is, you know, quintessential Halloween viewing. And October 29th is It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which... Is one of those shorts, because it's only 25 minutes, but it's one of those things that you just have to watch every Halloween. And speaking of Charlie Brown, the there was some news that came out to, uh, this week, not today, this week, for the first time in more than five decades, It's the Great Charlie Brown will not air on broadcast television this year. That is because it was bought out, the rights, by Apple TV+. Plus. The the special first aired on CBS back in 1966, and then it moved to the ABC channel in 2001, I believe. But it's no longer going to be broadcast on, on regular television. You'll have to watch it through Apple TV or, you know, like most of us, just pop in the DVD or the Blu-ray because that's one of those things that a lot of us already own. So, you know, this news isn't as bad as it sounds, but it's kind of weird to know that it's like you know, a Christmas without It's a Wonderful Life. So not being able to see uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown on broadcast television will be weird, but I don't think it's the end of the world. On uh, that Apple TV Plus, you can watch the the Charlie Brown special 
for free from October 30th until November 1st without a subscription. So I guess that's kind of a silver lining. But I will probably just pop in our DVD that we own and watch it whenever we feel like it. So I do want to thank everybody for the Halloween music emails I've been getting. I've been getting a lot of suggestions for things that I haven't listened to or or heard of or it's it's really good always to get music re- recommendations, especially things that you um, are new. So that's great. The other bit of news, next week we will be interviewing Sarah Frey, who is the head of Frey Farms and also the Pumpkin Queen of America. So if you have any questions for her and you would like us to try to squeeze them in during our interview, please, please email us at preservehalloween at gmail.com. And now we will be getting into our topic for this week. It is Anoka, Minnesota. There is many people that know that city, but we kind of want to go into the history of the town and how it got its name, designation actually. But back in 1852, the Staunton Spectator in Staunton, Virginia described Halloween as a multitude of wild, mischievous games which were tolerated at no other season. Pranks included breaking into gardens, stealing cabbage, an early form of ding-dong ditch that involved knocking rather than ringing, and even violently harassing women. So that was a not a good time. Reports of boys, or what they called back then Young America, causing mayhem and destroying property persisted through the mid-1800s. The public accepted their behavior using very, very questionable logic. One writer for the Alleghenian in 1859 said, Boys are boys, and as Halloween cometh but once a year, we should be content that it is no worse. So uh, that crappy sexist attitude has been around for a very long time. If you want to see some of the uh, violence and, and craziness that would happen on Halloween back then, check out the film Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, that's just one example where you can see some of the pranks kids and not just pranks but the destruction that kids during during did during Halloween. So how did cities decide to combat this tomfoolery and destruction? Well, they decided to put out Halloween parades. Um in 1894, the Scranton Tribune in Scranton, Pennsylvania noted that the Chester Halloween parade will have 5,000 men and boys in line with Chester only having around 20,000 people at that time in 1890, that meant a fourth of the entire city's population would participate in this early form of Halloween celebration. Um, In 1895, Topeka, Kansas had a Halloween parade, and it had a costume contest for the most grotesque appearance. They had a parade, they had activities for children, and uh, a lot of other stuff. And it was sponsored by a bicycle group. And the people that put on the parade were reported to have said they were anxious to have lady riders join the procession. Um, I don't know if they could have put that any creepier. But they, in 1895, uh, in the Indianapolis Journal, there was an annual parade of mass persons who celebrated all Halloween Uh, They described several thousand people in costume. There was 19 private parties and six dances all in Anderson, Indiana. These types of parades for Halloween would continue into the next century. 
And this is where we get to our uh, subject of the uh, podcast, Anoka, Minnesota. On November 1st, 1919, the residents of Anoka, Minnesota, a suburb about 20 miles north of Minneapolis, woke up to what Smithsonian called a prank of epic proportions. There were outhouses overturned, wagons were parked on roofs. I still don't know how they did that. Uh, Cows were roaming through the streets, windows were soaped, and um, it's just, just chaos. So the city government of Anoka decided that they needed to do something to prevent um, something like this happening the following year. So the civic leaders in the town banded together and they created a Halloween celebration that would not only be entertaining for mostly the kids, but for people of all ages, but it would also kind of stop any of these uh, future hijinks. So the people in the town decided to do a costume parade. They wanted to do a block party. There was a local businessman named George Green who kind of took the reins and he came up with um, an idea along with the Anoka Commercial Club and the Anoka Kiwanis Club that they would form a Halloween committee and plan a community-wide celebration. So their 1920 celebration would feature a parade, a bonfire, and free candy for children. And it was so successful that the police reportedly uh, had no pranks that year, which, you know, like anything, who knows if that's actually true, but that's nice. I'm sure it went down. So there was parade at 7.30 p.m. on the evening of Halloween in 1920, and before it started, the the whistles at the Lincoln Mill, which was there, I don't think it's there anymore, but they blew the whistles at the Lincoln Mill, and then the church bells rang throughout town, and that inaugurated what was going to be, or soon to be, an annual tradition. And the whole point of all this was to stop the pranks from the year before. So, This was so popular, uh, the celebration continued to grow in subsequent years, and the leaders in Anoka wanted people to know about what they were doing. So, in 1937, a 12-year-old boy named Harold Blair, he won a trip to uh, Washington, D.C., all expenses paid, because of his work as a newspaper carrier. So, to capitalize on this little boy going to the capital of the United States, the members of the Anoka Commercial Club decided to send him off with a request to Congress that Anoka would be formally designated as the Halloween capital of the world. And they put him in a sweater that was handmade, and on the front of it, it said Halloween capital. Um, And... He met with uh, Minnesota Representative Millard Rice back then and wanted to let the let him know about the town's pro- proclamation and what they wanted to do. So, unfortunately, from everything that I've looked up, there was a fire in Anoka and it destroyed uh, all the documents that would have had proof that Congress actually approved of this uh, designation and uh, back in the 30s. So, but... In 2003, Representative Mark Kennedy of Minnesota, he restated the proclamation and it officially cemented Anoka's title as the Halloween capital of the world. According to John Jost, who serves as the chair of the celebration committee, 
He uh, he says in 2003, Mark Kennedy, one of our congressmen, declared on the congressional floor that Anoka is the Halloween capital of the world, and that's how we got our official designation. But here's the here's the thing, and this is the weird part. Also, from the uh, things that I looked up, there is not a single mention of Anoka in their Halloween celebration in any newspaper records that the Library of Congress uh, holds, and. There's also no mention of the Halloween capital of the world designation. But because, I mean, basically Anoka self-proclaimed themselves the Halloween capital of the world, they are constantly written about in, you know, all kinds of news articles and, and stories, especially during Halloween. And they are considered the first to hold a Halloween celebration. And... They are, you know, it's it's said that they hold the prominent Congress-approved brand name of Halloween Capital of the World. And the city and its volunteers and the volunteers of the Anoka Halloween Committee, uh, they capitalize on this designation. So despite Anoka, uh, their own collected and, and repeated history, as well as the declaration, declaration on the floor of the House of Representatives, it's been documented that that Anoka was not the first city to throw a Halloween celebration. I've seen that in lots of the articles I've looked up in papers looking for other things, and also in the, the few things that I mentioned earlier. But So John Jost again said, uh, Yes, we have heard of Halloween celebrations that predated Anoka. However, it is believed that Anoka is the oldest continuous celebration that was created specifically to avert youth pranks. And... Our designation as the Halloween capital of the world is backed by congressional declaration. So that is a really good argument. But the thing is, here's the deal. Despite the accuracy of Anoka's claims as the Halloween capital of the world, some people will say it's Salem. Some people will say it's, you know, New Orleans. Lots of people will declare whatever city as as the Halloween capital, but they have it through Congress, so I guess it makes it more official. But here's the deal. Despite all this, the Halloween spirit in Anoka is unquestionable. These days, like nowadays, they their, their Halloween celebration includes three parades instead of just one. They have the Light Up the Night Parade that show, showcases illuminated parade balloons. They travel down uh, Main Street, and then there's the Grand Day Parade. That's a three-hour spectacle that weaves all through town. They have pumpkin carving contests, the bonfire, house decorating contests, trick-or-treating, a carnival, and then they end it all with pumpkin smashing, and that's how they use uh, all those pumpkins. They, they compost them. So, you know, they're thinking of the environment, too, so that's cool. But here's the, here's the thing that I wondered. How will, you know, all this going on with COVID this year affect their celebrations? So... This is what Liz McFarlane, who is the president, current president of Anoka Halloween, said. Um, to avoid canceling in 2020, Anoka Halloween took note of how the Minnesota State Fair pivoted to a drive through experience. She said that the annual Grand Day Parade that attracts more than 60,000 people is in complete reverse. Spectators will drive by the floats instead of gathering in crowds to watch the marching band and the tractors go by them. But there won't be any candy. They're saying that because of the CDC uh, and the prevention Halloween recommendations, 
they're they're discouraging traditional trick or treating and handing out candy, which they believe will spread the virus. But high school football is back in action in Anoka, and that brings back the historic pumpkin bowl. I could probably do a whole nother podcast just on the pumpkin bowl. Those that is a a great tradition that if you guys want to look it up, look it up. There's really cool things about the pumpkin bowl. But that game this year will be on October 30th, the night before Halloween, and it'll be between the Anoka Tornadoes and the Totino Grace Eagles. So look up, definitely look up the Pumpkin Bowl, look up Anoka, and and kind of decide for yourself. You know, they are still considered the Halloween capital of the world. Here's the fun thing. They added an old but new tradition for this year's celebration that will happen at 7.30 p.m. on October 31st. Um, Residents will be asked to step outside to hear the church bells, and the fire department will ring their sirens across town. Basically, it's kind of a walk down memory lane for for what they did with the mill at the the very first uh, parade. And the other cool thing is to commemorate this being the 100th year, 100th anniversary of Anoka's beginning parades history, there will be a book, or there is a book put out, I actually just ordered it, that has been being worked on since 2016 by the Anoka Halloween Committee. They released a book that has 160 pages full of stories, photos, and information that will be shared by the community and the Anoka County Historical Society. John Jost was the uh, chairman of that. He he is the Centennial Committee chairman. I've actually spoken through email with him. is a very, very nice guy. And he'll answer pretty much anything you ask him. He, he, he really loves uh, Anoka. You can tell just by reading what he, he writes. So he says, or she, actually, Miss McFarland, again, is quoted as saying, that's our shining star in walk down memory lane, she said of the book that was created. Many things have changed over the years, and especially this year, but this book is a piece of lasting history. And that's the reason why I wanted to order it, because I, you know, I love history, and doing this society gives me a chance to look up things that I either don't know about or don't know enough about. So I, I'm a huge history buff. And uh, I want to read an excerpt from the the book that is out right now on the uh, AnokaHalloween.com is where you can order it. I'll put a link with this podcast so you can look it up. Uh, I recommend if you know you're interested to to order it. It sounds like a wonderful book. I can't wait to see the pictures. I know it's it's full of pictures. I've seen some of the stuff they've sent me before in in kind of mentioned the book was going to happen. Uh, I, I requested some information from the uh, people in Anoka, and they've been more than gracious with helping me uh, researching their town. And, you know, I don't want to disparage their... I don't want to, you know, people to think that I'm trying to prove that they aren't right. I'm just trying to put out all the facts that I can. But anyway, here is an excerpt from the book itself, and it's it's a wonderful sentiment. I, I love you know, reading people's opinions about their hometowns. And it's really cool that uh, this town exists. And, you know, Anoka Halloween isn't a holiday. It's a lifestyle, said Karen George, 
who was born and raised in Anoka. She is a former princess in the Miss Anoka Candidate Program, and she is currently the executive director at QCTV Community Television in Anoka. Um, She said, it's that culture. Wherever you plug yourself into a community, you're carrying it for a period of time. Somebody's going to come behind you and somebody's gone on before you. It's what I love about community, work, and community involvement. Anoka Halloween has sustained itself and been relevant to our community because we have remained true to our traditions and to being family-focused, meaning it's about the children. It's about this magical holiday where you can dress up and be someone or something different for a day or a week or a month, in the case of Anoka. What I love about the Anoka traditions is we've never lost sight that this is a chance to keep children occupied in a positive way. Let's not tip over the outhouses and let the cows out. We can have some shenanigans and fun, but let's not be detrimental to our own town. And when you look at the month-long activities that this has moved into, it's a kids' preschool costume contest. It's candy. It's a coloring contest. It's pumpkin carving. It's pumpkin way off. It's a light-up-the-night parade where the lights drop down Main Street and you hear the oohs and ahs of young and old alike. It is orange tie ball and raising money for the scholarships that go to our ambassadors, to our youth citizenship honorees that have been going on for decades, to walking out onto the field on a very cold night in October at Pumpkin Bowl and having a moment in the sun seeing all those orange jackets of the people dedicated to this festival in this community. That's what it is. And so when you morph to what's going on here at the History Center, you are touchstone to 1919, when there were news articles and stories that people told about how bad the shenanigans got. When I came on as president in 2008, I came here and I looked through those files. I wanted to touch the past to understand why we're doing this 100 years later. So that is directly from a resident of Anoka, someone who has stayed Uh, local to her roots and has stayed in the town for her whole life and she still remains there to this day and i i suggest that if you get a chance to visit the town yourself and see what it's all about and you know there are many articles online talking about what what you should see and what you should do i mean of course the best time to go from what i've read would be during october but the town celebrates Halloween all year round. It just amps up tremendously in October. So I I, I really enjoyed looking up this town. I, I, I will continue to look up information about Anoka, and I plan on hopefully being able to see it myself with my own two eyes very, very soon, as, as, as soon as uh, travel becomes available once again. So what do you think of Anoka's claim as Halloween capital of the world? Do you think the designation even matters, or is it a great thing for their community to be proud of? They've taken the name, and they've ran with it, and they've done a tremendous job for 100 years. You have to at least give them that. We want to end this podcast with one of our favorite Halloween songs. We mentioned it last week. It is the Hush, 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 Here Comes the Bogeyman. And we we thank you all again for listening, and remember to preserve Halloween. Children, have you ever met the bogeyman before? No, of course you haven't.
for you're much too good, I'm sure. Don't you be afraid of him if he should visit you. He's a great big coward, so I'll tell you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the boogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend that you're a crocodile, and you will find that boogeyman will run away a mile. Say shoo shoo, and stick him with a pin. Boogeyman will very nearly jump out of his skin. Say buzz buzz, just like the wasp that stings. Boogeyman will think you are an elephant with wings. Hush, 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 here comes the boogeyman. Tell him you've got soldiers in your bed, for he will never guess that they are only made of lead. Say hush, hush, he'll think that you're asleep. If you make a lovely snore away, he'll softly creep. Sing this tune, you children one and all. Bogeyman will run away, he'll think it's Henry Hall. When the shadows of the evening creep across the sky, and your mommy comes upstairs to sing a lullaby, tell her that the bogeyman no longer frightens you. Uncle Henry's very kindly told you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend your teddy bear's a dog. Then shout out, fetch him, teddy, and he'll hop off like a frog. Pretend that you're a cat He'll think you may scratch And that will make him fall down flat Just pretend he isn't really there You will find that Boogeyman Will finish in thin air Here's one way to catch him without fail Just keep a little salt with you 